0: Welcome to the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman, where Jerry reads a chapter from the New Testament and gives us key insights and life applications along the way. For more information about the Solid Life Journal and reading plans, visit solidlives.com. And now, let's get into today's reading.
1: Okay, here we go Matthew 4 from the New King James Version, and here's what it says. Then Jesus went up by the Spirit. Don't you love that? Then Jesus went up by the Spirit, in other words, led by the Spirit, into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Well, this is a reason why Jesus told us to pray that, uh, he said, pray that we not be led into temptation. Because in this situation, he was actually led into temptation. Now, why would the Holy Spirit lead him to be tempted by the devil? Because normally the Holy Spirit does not lead us to get close to temptations. In fact, the Holy Spirit leads us away from temptations. But see, Jesus was in this unique position that he was being proven to be an innocent man and to, to pass the tests that Adam failed. See, Adam and Eve were tempted and sinned. Jesus is coming now to reverse that sin. And so what does he have to do? He has to be tempted and to not sin. And then he's proven to be perfect and innocent. And then he'll die for our sins as our replacement. See, in fact, it says in the book of Hebrews that Jesus was tempted in all points like we are yet without sin. And so the Holy Spirit led him into temptation so that he could pass the test that Adam and we failed and therefore become a uh, innocent, a qualified substitute for our sins on the cross. Praise God. Okay, here we go. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights afterward, He was hungry. I would think so. Now, when the tempter came to him, he said, here's the devil now. He said, if you are the son of God, command that these stones become bread. Now notice, he is the son of God. But notice the devil said, if, if you are the son of God. So he's trying to get him to doubt it. He's trying to get him to prove it. If you are the son of God, command that these stones become bread. Now watch Jesus. But he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Now watch this. Jesus is God. God is one God, but three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Jesus is the Son. And so when he speaks, he speaks as God. However, when he was here as a human being and he relinquished many of his God-like characteristics, God-like abilities, though he still was God fully, he relinquished many of his God abilities and such, he was going through the process of what it was like to really be a human being without the omnipresence uh, in his capacity and all of those things. Well, so what did he do? Jesus would not rely on his own mind to navigate, to think, to come up with some kind of a response. Jesus stayed with what was written in God's word. He just stuck with it. You would think being God, he could come up with something new. No, he wouldn't do it. No, when dealing with the devil, he just continued to respond, and we'll see it. It is written. And he stayed with what the Word of God says. Now, what does that tell us? That tells us we should not try to interact with the devil and come up with some new way of dealing with him. We should go right back to God's Word and declare the truth of God's word. It is written. In fact, Paul in Ephesians 6, you remember, he says, the sword of the spirit is the word of God. And the Greek word there for word is rhema. The sword of the spirit is the rhema of God. Rhema means the spoken word. And this is exactly what Jesus did. Jesus was taking some some scriptures from the book of Deuteronomy, and he was saying, it is written." And he was quoting the word of God. He was taking what was written in paper and ink, parchment and ink, and he was vocalizing it. He was speaking rhema words out in real time, applying that to this situation. And notice Paul called that the sword of the spirit. So we know that Jesus, when he was speaking, it is written, Jesus was using the sword of the spirit, the word of God. And he's modeling for us how to deal with the devil. So watch this. The devil said, if you're the son of God, command that these stones become bread. And Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds From the mouth of God. So he just responded and said, I'm going to pay attention to what the word says instead of what you're saying to me. Verse five Then the devil took him up into the holy city and set him on a pinnacle of the temple, way up high, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, Oh, wait a minute. Now the devil's going to pick up on what Jesus said. It is written, quoting a scripture. Now the devil said, oh, he wants to quote scripture. Well, I'll quote some scripture too. What does that tell us? That tells us that even though the whole word of God is inspired, you can misapply it. You can take the, the right scripture, but at the wrong time, in the wrong scenario, and try to apply it inappropriately. Uh, insufficiently, uh, in the wrong timing. And this is what the devil wanted to do. The devil knew exactly that he was uh, causing Jesus or tempting Jesus to apply a scripture that should not have applied in this situation. So he said, uh, If you're the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He shall give His angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. I remember, I'll just tell you a quick little story. I was uh, with Kimberly years ago back in, I think it was Wisconsin, somewhere back in in the Midwest there up north. But we went into this big store, like a home store, but it was decorated. I mean, not decorated, but they sold all kinds of Christmas ornaments, Christmas trees. It was a huge, really Christmas store. And so I was walking around. Kimberly was walking around. I was walking around as well. And I got to looking at some mugs. And I saw a mug that caught my attention. It says, he shall give his angels charge over you. And I said, oh, look at that. That's cool. But then I noticed the reference, and it said, this scripture, it said Matthew 4, uh, 6. And I thought, Matthew? That's, That's not from Matthew. That's Psalm 91. Then I realized that's when the devil said it. So here's some knucklehead, you know, that's just selling stuff, does not know the Bible, but they want to put something religious on a mug so that people will buy it, quotes the devil using scripture and wants to sell the mug. I said, I wouldn't buy that mug for, you know, for a penny. Uh, but, But this is what the devil's doing. The devil quotes scriptures too. So not every scripture that pops in your mind is God putting that in your mind for that moment because the devil does it too. So the devil said, trying to get Jesus to throw himself off of a very high pinnacle, like, you know, it'd be a top of a building type thing. And he said, well, it's written, he'll give his angels charge over you. And in their hands, they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone saying, well, Jesus, look, this scripture says that God will catch you. He'll take care of you. So go ahead and do it. Well, see, anybody can misapply the word of God. But what does Jesus do? Watch this. Verse seven. Jesus said to him, it is written again, or we could say it like this, but it's also written, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. So see, Jesus knew the word. So you couldn't just throw something in there that was applied at the wrong time in the wrong way because Jesus knew that there was another scripture that nullified That scripture being applied at this point. See, this is why we have to be in the word. What we're doing right now, walking through the word of God, this is so important so that we know what God's word says and we can be able to, in prayer and on the fly when we're tempted, say, "Nope, I'm not falling for that because it's also written such and such. And that's what Jesus did. You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Again, the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain. Well, I've been to Israel 17 times. I believe it's not Mount Tabor that uh, traditionally is the Mount of uh, Temptation, but I believe this is uh, Mount Hermon or Hermon way up in the north of Israel. And it says he took him up on an exceedingly high mountain. And it says, uh, and showed him, watch this, showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to Jesus, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Now, what, what is the devil saying there? All these kingdoms I'll give you if you'll fall down and worship me. In one of the other gospels, he said, uh, he showed him the kingdoms in a moment of time. He said, all these things I'll give you if you'll fall down and worship me, for they're given to me. See, Satan is the god of this age. He is the one that's in rulership over the demonic realm who is influencing uh all of these national leaders and such i 'm not saying every single one, but uh, the majority of them are under the influence of the whole demonic realm, and Satan knows that he 's dealing with people through their flesh, through sin, through pleasure, through lust, and such, and so he has this influence. Well, what is he telling jesus jesus, if you fall down and, if you fall down and worship me, I will give you this authority over all these kingdoms. And uh, Now, why would that be tempting? Well, here's what Jesus knows. God the Father is already going to give Jesus that authority. In fact, you remember after Jesus died on the cross and was raised from the dead, he said in Matthew 28, he said, all authority is given to me in heaven and on earth. All authority is given to me in heaven and on earth. See, so Jesus was already going to be given authority as a result of him obeying the Father, dying on the cross, being raised from the dead, being raised up and seated on the throne of God. And God's going to say in the book of Hebrews, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. He's already going to get the kingdoms. What is the devil really saying then? You don't have to die on the cross. You don't have to go through all this obedience and such. If you'll fall down and worship me, take the easy path. Come on, side with me, and I'll give you what you want now without having to be obedient to God. And this is what the devil is still doing to people today. He's making people think that they can get what they really want without being obedient to God. They can side with the devil, they can side with their flesh and do what their flesh wants to do, not be obedient to God, and somehow at the end, they're going to come out with what they want. Absolutely not. No, Jesus didn't fall for it, and you shouldn't fall for it. Absolutely not. So, He's telling Jesus, you fall down and worship me, I'll give it to you now. You don't have to obey God and go through all the things that you're assigned to go through. And then Jesus answered and said this, away with you, Satan, for it is written. There it is again, it is written. But this time he said, away with you, get out of here. For it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. So once again, he took the word of God. He confronted and dispelled the temptation and he would not side with the devil or his flesh the easy way absolutely not no e- easy in easy out right you think something comes easy no we-, we have to do it the right way when we obey god god always knows best and he's going to bring things around for for our benefit okay so what happened then it says verse 11 then the devil left him and behold angels came and ministered to him. Now when Jesus, by the way, I, I believe angels minister to us more than we realize they do. Just because we can't see them, that doesn't mean they don't minister to us. I believe they do. Now, when Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, talking about John the Baptist, his cousin, when Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he departed to Galilee and leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum. That doesn't mean he was just traveling. No, he actually moved his hometown from being in Nazareth, where he grew up, to Capernaum. Now, why did he do that? Because in Nazareth, you remember, he was rejected, and they wanted to throw him off a cliff and kill him. They did not believe that he had been anointed now, that the Holy Spirit was on him, that he was different than the young man that grew up there in Nazareth. And so he knew his life was in danger, so he moved. He moved from Nazareth to Capernaum. So, and leaving Nazareth, verse 13, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is by the sea, in the regions of Zebulon and Naphtali. That it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light, and upon those who sat in the region and shadow of death, light has dawned. So this was, I love how Matthew keeps bringing up these prophecies that it might be fulfilled, that it might be fulfilled. So Matthew often, not every time, but often when something would happen in the life of Jesus that was prophesied, Matthew by the spirit of God would say, yeah, that was prophesied too, uh, as it is written. Yeah, that was prophesied to as it is written. So I love the connectedness, the connection between the Old Testament prophecies about Jesus and the New Testament fulfillment of those prophecies in the book of Matthew, among others. But Matthew is uh, more famous uh, for doing just that. Okay, verse 17. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Notice Jesus his preaching began generally with repent. He was not a just warm, fuzzy, uh, everything's nice and God just loves you and you don't have to make any changes kind of preacher. No, John the Baptist preached a baptism of repentance and Jesus came preaching repentance. Why? Because people needed to repent. And guess what? People need to repent today. We can't bypass repentance and just have a religion and a gospel that where God serves us and makes our life better, but we never repent and get right with Him. No, Jesus preached repentance, and we also need to preach repentance. So repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then He said to them, Follow me. And I will make you fishers of men. Oh, don't you love that? They were fishermen. So he said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. I'll make you fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. Notice something about the the spirit of God on what he said caused them to lay down their jobs. We know Peter was married because later Jesus healed his wife's mother and left their families And went with Jesus and went into the ministry. And folks, everybody in their life has these times where God will call us to do something. And you just have to lay whatever you have to lay down and follow him. But let me tell you, if it's really Jesus, do it. (laughs) Do it. Like Peter said, when he was in the boat and Jesus was walking on the water, he said, Lord, if that's you, tell me to come. I'll come in faith, but I need to know it's you. And Jesus said, come. And sure enough, Peter actually walked on water like Jesus did. Okay, so they immediately left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James and John, the son of Zebedee, uh, or James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. He called them, and immediately they left their boat and their father, And followed him. You can imagine their dad saying, hey, I thought this was the family business. But they had a calling from God, so they had to embrace that calling. And verse 23, and Jesus went about all Galilee teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. I want you to notice that Jesus didn't go around healing, teaching, and preaching. Jesus went around teaching, preaching, and healing. See, the teaching and the preaching came first, with al- almost without exception. He taught and he preached first. Why? Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so when you hear God's word, you build your faith and now you're ready to receive and so this is the way we need to do it. We need to preach and teach the Word of God so that people's faith is mustered and then they're ready to receive from God by faith. So he went about, around all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing, watch this, all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. If anybody ever asks you, uh, does God heal everybody? Does he heal all sicknesses? <laughs> there it is right there. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. God heals all sicknesses and all diseases among the people. Then his fame went throughout all Syria. Well, yeah, if you're healing all these people, his fame went through all Syria. I believe it was supernatural too so that they brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments and those who were demon-possessed, epileptics and paralytics, and he healed them. What does that imply? He healed all of them. Great multitudes followed him from the Galilee and from Decapolis. That was 10 cities, pagan cities, Jerusalem, Judea, and beyond the Jordan. In other words, I mean, many, many miles away, people were hearing and coming, traveling to bring their sick. To Jesus, so that he could heal them. Folks, he's doing this, yes, he's the Son of God, but he was doing this under the power of the Holy Spirit, but he was doing it as a model for us. We need to believe God that we too in the name of Jesus, can lay hands on the sick and see people recover, that we can preach the Word of God and God would impact their hearts, penetrate that fear, that doubt, that skepticism, that unbelief, and see people come into faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ, to be born again and to be discipled in the Word of God.
0: Thank you for joining us for the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman.